Hey, Nikki. <laughs> hey, Selena. <laughs> Seamless. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I was messing with Nikki and it wasn't right. Now it wasn't right. Bear witness <laughs> to me barely hanging on. It's all going downhill, isn't it? What I'm trying to say is, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Hey, uh, y'all. And welcome to Sweet Tea and TV. And uh, you're probably thinking, it's the start of Designing Women Season 4. Yay! Woo! But there's not, it's not. Not yet. We're not talking about Designing Women Season 4 today? Nay. Today, Uh-oh. we're meeting to talk about something special. <laughs> Special. <laughs> I mean, not as special as designing women. Sure. Let's not let's not equate. Let's not equate. What we're talking about today is about thirty-five or so years more timely than normal. Oh, we're flashing to the future. The future. Today we're meeting to discuss our reactions to the new Netflix docu series, Harry and Meghan. Nikki, mm-hmm. tell us who are Harry and Meghan? What is this Netflix? Who is this docu series? Why is my phone ringing? <laughs> Harry and Meghan, otherwise known as Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, who are no longer a huge part of the royal family in professional duties, uh, but rather moved to America in a pretty big dramatic split um, a couple years ago. And this documentary kind of talks about that. This docuseries kind of talks about that. Um, It includes footage that was filmed between 2018 and August 2022 and has flashback footage from, I guess, the couple's personal archives. Mm -hmm. Um, It was split. The the whole docuseries is split into six episodes. The first set aired um, December 8th and then the second set aired on December 15th. So you can see it all now on Netflix. But it's kind of loosely, I think, categorized into chapters almost. Um, So like the first couple of chapters are really about the start of their romance, how they got together. Um, it covers their wedding in 2018, which you and I watched live mm-hmm. and floored you the other day to remember was in 2018. Floored me. <laughs> to her knees, she went in shock because she thought it was actually in 2019. <laughs> Just shocked me to my core. <laughs> but it covers their um, courtship, their wedding, um, and then it covers sort of what happened with the royal family um, leading up to 2020 into 2020 and then their ultimate escape I'm going to put in quotes from the UK um, and sort of what the fallout has been from that. So um, each episode sort of loosely correlates to some of those themes, um, but it's, it's amazingly done the way it kind of flashes forward to present and backwards to the past. It was just really well put together, but that's who Harry, Meghan and are and Harry and Meghan. Meghan (laughs) Megalodon. It's who those people are. Uh, thank you. Sure. That was a nice summary. So I think some people who do tune in for Designing Women uh, may be wondering, what's going on? Why are we covering this? Well, lots of reasons. (laughs) It's our show. (laughs) That too. We missed you. Sure. One. Mm -hmm. Two. It's been well established. If you've listened, if you've listened closely, that Nikki and I have a certain care a certain enthusiasm if you will for british royals yes yes we know (laughs) and we can't help ourselves is it ridiculous maybe we just go with it i think we own the ridiculousness i'm fine to say that it's not my proudest interest yeah i just you know i blame disney sure and three if we may be so bold 
there is a connection to both designing women and the South. The British royal family has been mentioned multiple times during the series. <laughs> multiple times. Multiple times, I tell you. <laughs> I tell you now. I can pull the episodes. I, I think we all can. Probably could, yeah. Uh, and I, we'd bet our bottom dollar, yeah, I'm speaking for you, Thanks. that if designing women were still on today, Harry and Meghan probably would have gotten a mention too. Definitely. So, because that's how pervasive the coverage has been. I think that'll be part of what we talk about here shortly. And then the other thing about the Southern connection is British Southerners, if they have at least one thing in common, it's an appreciation for tradition. Mm -hmm. So there you go. We're doing it. Just, it, I, had, I texted Selena right after the episodes launched, and I said, I couldn't help myself. I had to watch the first episode, and it was intense. It made me cry. And you said, like, it made you want to watch it more. And yeah. so then you started watching it. And then we, this is totally, in case you can't tell, totally last minute. We just sort of got together and we we're like, what, what if we just did a quick podcast about it? Because we just had, I had a ton of thoughts about this. Yeah. It was raising all kinds of things for me. So. Yeah. And I think that's actually like a nice little segue into what I, I think is a really important thing to say from the top is that like, you know, Designing Women is a show and those are characters. Um, Who we treat like real people on occasion. That's true. <laughs> that's a very fair point. But like, I think in this case, you know, I don't think, I know, we are talking about real human beings. These are not TV characters. And we're talking about people who are trying to live their lives. I mean, that's very much so the crux of the show. We're just trying to live our life. And so we want to approach that with the ultimate amount of respect. Um, I, you know, it's not appropriate for us to conjecture about things that have happened behind closed doors, you know, things that we just can't know um, because we're not there. We're not a part of that conversation. We're certainly not in between anyone else's ears. Um, and so I, I, we will try our level best to keep it to things that are either on the public record or covered within the docuseries, just in all fairness to, again, real people involved in this very real story. Mm -hmm. um, do we need to issue a spoiler warning? Oh, you know, I you thought don't about know. a spoiler warn warning and also a little bit of a trigger warning. We might talk about some things that are uh, mental health, definitely mental health related and mental health adjacent. So like if any of that is uncomfortable for people, they may want to, specifically suicide, they may not want to, um, may not want to listen in. But yeah, if you haven't watched and you don't want to know what yeah. they share, don't listen. Right. Because I'm not really a big into the tabloid person. So there was that. things about this that like I didn't really know. Yeah. There were, um, my spoiler alert would be that there, I didn't think there were very many huge bombshells, things that I heard throughout for the most part I had heard before. This was the the lens of Harry and Meghan, which we hadn't heard before. Um, but I, I don't think there were that many bombshells, but certainly if like, if any of this is something you want to watch for yourself, definitely watch it for yourself. And I would say also watch it for yourself before you listen to us talk about it. Because I watched the episodes and then just before we did this, I wanted to do a quick cursory glance of the media coverage because I just sort of wanted to know how it was being received. Mm -hmm. And even some of that started to color my opinion of things. I did. I purposely did not look yeah. at it because I knew it would start to like swing what I feel right now. Mm -hmm. And I just want to sit in these feelings and I want to feel this. And then I want to change my mind. Yeah. Like I do with every other thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's value in that. I think there's value in, um, uh, absorbing something, thinking on it yourself, and then opening yourself up to other perspectives. Absolutely. And hearing what other people said. Cause there were some points that were made that I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I could see that point. But if you're not going to come back and listen to the podcast, just go ahead and listen to it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> listen now. 
you do you people. We're just here. Uh, so as spontaneous as we get is that uh, Nikki and I did a, um, some calculations, some analyses. Um, we came up with some themes. <laughs> There were no numbers involved, as far as I know. No, I don't do numbers. Uh, They're wrong when I do them. You know this. (laughs) Um, See episode with duck count. (laughs) Those numbers were right. (laughs) They were loose. Loose at best. Right. (laughs) I spent a long time crunching those three numbers. Um, But anyways, so uh, we broke it up into themes um, so that we could have a little bit of discussion around each of those. And I think that's really just to control this conversation because what you don't know is if you ever think like, ugh, these two really go off on a tangent, you don't know. (laughs) You know nothing, Jon Snow. We'll tell you about tangents. So Game of Thrones. No, see? Tangents. Um, Okay. So we broke this up into categories. Mm -hmm. Do you want to kick us off with the first category, the first theme that hit you? Sure. And I actually have, um, we we pre-shared our themes with each other so we could give it some spontaneous This morning. It should be fair, like six hours ago. And we were working. Exactly. Exactly. but I have already reordered based on something you just said, um, my themes. And the first theme that came to mind for me watching this docuseries was tragedy. That this was, this is, it's so easy to forget this is a real family. Yeah. And the dynamics were so real family playing out on the screen. Real family with higher stakes, maybe? For all parties for involved. everyone involved. Yeah. I mean, you've got William and Charles on one side who are... Um, the, the heirs to this whole institution, and then you've got Harry on this side, who is an heir but um, doesn't have the same um, expectations of him that William does, and doesn't have the same path forged ahead for him. Watching those two things diverge, um, I think Megan said maybe in the fifth episode or the fourth episode, she said something about um, how this is where you really see when family and family business intersect, and how messy that can get. Yeah. Um, and so I just think uh, that idea of tragedy, like the whole thing is just so tragic. Well, in Megan's family. And Megan's, in Megan's family, Megan faced a lot, like there, a lot happened for her. There was a lot of fallout from all of this. Um, I think that I wanted to say uh, a couple of times, uh, Harry and Megan both said it didn't have to be this way. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to go down like this. There didn't seem to be a lot of room for compromise. Right. Uh, which is unfortunate. Um, and probably why they kept saying it didn't have to be this way. Yeah. I think um, in the last episode, Megan said, I tried so hard. I tried so hard. And the, I know she, in a former life, was an actor and maybe an actor again at some point. So I don't know how much of this is genuine, how much of it is putting it out there for the public to consume, but it seemed so genuine to me. And I, I, I think she really was putting her heart out there. I, I think, think she right. really tried. Mm-hmm. She did the very best she could. And to have gone your whole life, she seemed, um, they had a couple of episodes early on that talked about their early lives and one whole episode almost exclusively focused on Megan and how outstanding she was just as a human being from a young age. So I bet her whole life she's been outstanding and she's been amazing and she's been, you know, she's um, overachieved people's expectations of her. And then to go into this family that it was never good enough, but it was never about her and she could never be good enough. But I think she really thought she could win them over. It was all, that whole piece of it was tragic to me. Yeah. I think, so since you've already mentioned the family aspect and that comes to the top first, I just want to say that for me, that was the saddest part. Yeah. That it just ripped all kinds of different parts of different families apart. 
um, you know, brought in like these sort of unknown elements. And like, I think most of us who have a family, like I just try and think, just think you're suddenly forced into the spotlight and that really weird thing that happened in your family, something gets pulled into the light. You know what I'm saying? Like that is, that terrifies me. And that made, like, that made me feel so much empathy for her um, because it was like something totally outside of her control um, with the, uh, with her half sister, um, and how it wound up, um, you know, having some downward effects with her half sister's daughter, who she had become close with and all of this. It jeopardized a lot for her. Uh, everything. And I think, um, in the theme of tragedy, um, I wanted to say the commentary on the press, um, was this one of your themes overall? Uh, it is okay. um, I, media and technology, but we might hit on different things. So go ahead and say your piece. The the relentlessness of the press yeah. um, was astounding to me. And then the other piece of that thought for me is I think oftentimes um, celebrities say the stuff you read in the papers isn't real. It's not true. And so I think in my mind through all of this, I have wanted to assume that the things that are coming out in the press, the bits and nuggets that are coming out about the dynamics within the royal family. So William and Harry splitting in this like fallout between the two of them. I'd been wanting to assume that that was made up for the press. Um, And so it was a little shattering of this image for me to learn that a lot of that was true. And a lot of it was directly related to things that people in the um, family, allegedly from Harry's perspective and Meghan's perspective, had planted or at least encouraged. Um, And that was really tragic to me. I think at one point Harry says, he and I promised, he being William and I promised each other we'd never pit our comms offices against one another the way the rest of the family has. Mm -hmm. Um, And he did it. And it broke broke Harry's heart. There was a part where um, they're talking about... uh, uh, something they were talking about where uh, William had planted, they think William helped plant the story. And she mm-hmm. says, like, Meg- uh, Megan says, it's his brother. And I'm not going to say anything, but it's his brother. And Harry just says, that's why I don't live there anymore. That's why I left the country, basically. And it was so um, relatable in some ways, you know, like like you said, we all have those family things that happen. It was so relatable in some ways. And it was also just so darn tragic in other ways, because I imagine that they're brotherly bond that was forged in fire I believe with their mom dying like there was a lot that brought them together there to see it just all fall apart and I had thought so much of it was just made up by the press Mm -hmm. that made me really sad yeah overall I would say my overall reaction to the whole docuseries was sadness they, I think they wanted it to be a romance. They, they, it, they like sort of the arc running through every episode was their ultimate beautiful romance. Uh, prince finds his princess in a, um, an American actor. You know, like they, they tried to make it this romantic thing, and it was. Their, their romance seems beautiful. They seem like they have a true. Don't you be love. skipping to the next. Scene. I know, I know. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm bubbling over with thoughts. But my overarching uh, reaction to all of it was just a feeling of sadness. I just feel sad for everybody because I can't imagine, I can't imagine, I I can't imagine what this feels like in having family fall apart in this way, but I can't imagine having it play out so publicly and I can't imagine with such high stakes. Yeah. Tragedy. Yeah. I think, um, I'll just have one thing that's like, um, let's just say the documentary, um, hadn't talked about Princess Diana at all. Yeah. Uh, which it did. I don't think you can see this and not think about her. Yeah. Uh, they clearly want us to see the parallels between her and Meghan Markle, too. 
Yeah. And, and some are pretty uncanny. And what among many is this unhealthy fascination that the media had or has had um, with both of them. And it's a, fasc- a fascination that ultimately led to suffering for them and the people in their orbits. Um, and that, that is also just really tragic. And this, this idea that, um, what do they say? We pay, you pose. And mm-hmm. so Harry was explaining that if, the, if society believes they pay any aspect of your life, that you owe them everything. Or the British public. Right. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, that you owe them everything. And I couldn't help but think, what if we expected that of our U.S. president? Like, we pay some portion of what, you know, they use federal funds for the White House or whatever. And, and we think... the salary. And we think, right. And we think you owe us pictures of your wife leaving the hospital holding her newborn baby six hours after delivering. Yeah. What is that about? Yeah. I think that, like... It's funny that you thought president, because I thought stars. And I didn't go stars because I do think people have... There's not have... that public funding, though. Right. Like, so they are in a, a much better position to protect themselves. Even though I feel like everyone should be in a position to protect their children. You, and just, so Rihanna, just this week, pre, like jumped ahead of some paparazzi photos, the very first photos of her child... She, ju- she went to a media outlet and said, please publish these quickly because the paparazzi are about to publish pictures and I don't want them making money off my child. And that's how we treat, we do treat celebrities in that way, I think, because people think like, and this is why I chose the president and not celebrities, because I feel like it's a little bit more of a comparison. I think mm-hmm. people think of celebrities as um, commodities and they think, I paid for your last movie. I went and saw that. Now I want to see your kid. I think that's how people think of the royal family. And I just think that is so strange. I think it's strange to think of celebrities that way. I don't have any interest it's in seeing a newborn It's strange to think of baby. a royal family. It's, it's strange to think Honestly. of a royal family. I mean, Fair it's, enough. It's hard as an American, I think. I yeah. think that's why I'm so fascinated. And, and we didn't preface any of this episode with, we're American. Our opinions don't probably really matter that much. <laughs> Do you think they might be able to pick up on that? <laughs> with the accent. I don't know, man. Um, and yeah, I didn't mention also the impact on Megan. Um, she was very specific that she had suicidal thoughts through all of this Mm -hmm. and very specific that the thought crossed her mind. If I weren't here, this wouldn't be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and her mom broke down relaying some of that and reliving some of that memory. And it's just so sad to me that it comes to that after, like you said, we lost Diana in that way. And we, I don't really have much of a connection to Diana, to be honest. Um, but I, I've seen the story and I've seen how it played out and it wasn't a good one. And so I don't understand why we would continue to do that all over again. And Well, we don't learn. So that's right. One. And now we've gotten the benefit of hearing Megan's side of everything. And Megan has gotten an unfair shake. I think they pretty clearly laid out. But Kate also has not had an easy go of it. And so she's not at liberty to share some of those things. But what has her experience been? How has she dealt with that? Well, they've got to break the wheel. Yeah. They've got to break the wheel right now. They're just cogs in the machine. And they're allowing that to happen to themselves. So... But these are the different category. Do you want to talk about our next theme? Yes. Or is there anything else we need to cover in tragedy? Probably, but it, it's interwoven throughout. So okay. I'll probably say more later. <laughs> it was also sad. Um, so, so and see, I, I feel like I should say real quickly that I, ha- I felt like 
there is sadness interladen throughout the entire thing, but also like there's hope. And, and so, and I walked away with a piece of that too. And, uh, but let's talk about romance. (laughs) It'd be so hard to keep us on track. What you picked romance. So you kick us off. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that was the crux of the whole, that was the through line through the entire docuseries. That's how they got us, right? That's how they got you. And it's how that thing ended, too, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the very last episode was when they interviewed Serena Williams. And her call to action was sort of like, I hope one day this family, this family that's fallen apart over all of this, will realize that these are just two people in love. Which, to be honest, felt a little not quite on the nose for the rest of the documentary because it was about so much more than that. But I think that's how the director pulled it all together is to make this through line be their romance. The prince finds his princess sort of thing. Um, I do think it was really romantic. I loved hearing about their early days, hearing about their courtship. The fact that like their third or fourth date was a trip to Africa on safari, essentially. Mm. That's amazing to me. Um, I felt like I loved the pieces where we got to see their relationship in action. They really do seem like a good team. I have heard a lot of criticisms, and I think Harry alluded to this, in he did allude to this in the series, that like Megan controls him in some way. He's her puppet. She wears mm-hmm. the pants in this relationship and how misogynistic that is. I didn't see that at all. I saw a really healthy couple being strong for each other when they needed to be. So my husband always says, one of us has to be the strong one at any given point in time. We can't break mm-hmm. down at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so some days it's going to be him leading us because I'm struggling. And some days it's going to be me taking more of a leadership role in the relationship. And I think that's what I saw. Like she came in and he was sitting there playing on his phone and it was Easter. And he was like, have you figured out the um, the route? And she starts relaying it to him. He's like, it makes total sense to me. Sounds good. And it wasn't like a man who was being told what to do. He was like, you're a smart woman who can think on her own and you came up with a really good plan. Let's go execute. It was such a mundane example, but I thought it was so, uh, I thought it was just so indicative of the relationship. Um, when he was planning the flight to the UK after Philip's death and he, he's like kind of falling apart a little, he's just lost his grandpa. He's trying to figure out the logistics of all of this. There's COVID testing involved. She comes in and she says, you get five days, we can get you a flight out this day. If you get in there that day. And he's like, well, can that happen? She's like, got it all figured out. I thought that was amazing. And I felt like that wasn't a woman controlling a man. It was a person being part of a relationship, trying to be strong for her partner. And contributing. You know I mean? sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have anything you want to add on that point? And, uh, no, not specifically on that. Tell me, I'm on a roll. Go I had so it. many thoughts. I do think on that note about romance and relatability, I mean, romance and partnership, I think they were really aiming for relatable we're the relatable couple. We're the yeah. normal couple. Yeah. I think they missed the mark a few times. And but Was I it the Africa trip? The Africa trip gave it yeah. away. I don't think it's... Well, I mean, she's an actor and he's a prince. It could only be so relatable. But I, I'm not sure they think that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they think we're already in a different level than you plebs. I think they genuinely think they're relatable. In some ways, they are. Like, Mm -hmm. totally relatable to try to figure out travel plans and whatever. Um, Archie's birthday, when um, they were, she was doing that little balloon arch. That was... Nobody can do them. So sweet and so realistic. Mm -hmm. But, like, they talk about the um, staying at Frogmore Cottage and Mm -hmm. Oprah came over for tea and told them nobody would believe it. 
Yeah. I was just sort of like, Was that Oprah? I rewinded it three times and I was like, what is he saying? (laughs) Oprah. Oprah came over for tea. Yeah. Um, And then in the um, second to last episode, Harry was talking about security and how the royal family pulled back their security. And he said, I did what any dad, what any husband would do. I got my family out of there. And I was like, I get that. But it was on a private jet, (laughs) like in secrecy. And I was just like... Okay, you're not just like us. Um, but I will say that it was Tyler Perry who came through for them, and he gave a really beautiful interview and seems like a really stand-up guy. Yeah, He was like, I sure. know nothing about this family, but I wanted to support them. Well, and on the note of, like, um, just like the you said, mentioned Serena, like, giving her interview mm. uh, throughout the course of the series. And, like, I was like, I don't, I don't really have anything to go off here except I find her trustworthy, and I believe her <laughs> account. Um, so I thought it was a wise choice in terms of a pick to be included. Um, but so I think my things on the romance, so this is unpopular, I guess, but romantic stuff usually reads pretty cheesy for me Mm. and I don't always receive it well, um, (laughs) in shows, in life. I love it. Uh, but in shows I'm often like, okay, uh, move it along guys, move it along. And, uh, I, I think for me, this was how telling I, their illegitimate, their romance seems mm. the romance between them. The fact that that's still there. I mean, uh, I've been with Casey twice as long as these people have known each other. Okay. So I <laughs> mean, part of me is like, you're still, still babies. Okay. <laughs> right? yeah. Even though like I'm younger than both of them also, um, by like three hours. Um, but, uh, but like I, you know, so part of me is like, well, you guys are still kind of babies in your romance, but not really because they've been through they've been so through much together. They've been through so much. So, uh, but I do think, like, I got swept up with the two of them. And I think that speaks to how real their relationship reads. And the fact that there is something that's relatable. I think some of it is just like, you can see it in the way they look at each other. Um, and the way they talk about each other in like really sweet ways, uh, and, and also in the way they support each other when you've already named several examples. So, uh, I'm not sure this is romantic per se, but I, this was the closest I could think to fit in a category. And something that just really struck me was that, um, that almost feels like this couldn't be real, but it would also feel like a really weird thing to make up, but they released the announcement of their second son oh. on Valentine's Day mm-hmm. and then wind up finding out that that's when P- Prince Harry was announced and mm-hmm. Princess Di announced um, that she was expecting him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that was a really sweet through line. Um, and I, I, I didn't know where else to put it. But I liked it. <laughs> I thought it was well, nice. it's Valentine's Day. It's romantic. Yeah. That was always the best fit. I thought racism might be a really strange category for that. <laughs> Uh, Before we get to racism, I had my last point on the romance piece, and it's only mildly related, but I I also didn't know where else to put this. So it was supposed to be about their romance, and we've talked about it it was about so much more than that, but Mm -hmm. it's how it opened and it's how it's closed is like it started out beautiful, and like you said, I mean, that's a good point. It ended sort of on a high note, looking forward to the future, a hope for the future for them. So, again, like, lovely, wonderful. They'll have a wonderful marriage together. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like I have to say I'm a natural skeptic, um, mm-hmm. and I don't always believe things at face value. I want to, but I there's a piece in my brain that's always sort of like, but what aren't they telling me? 
It's your public relations degree. Go on. <laughs> What's not here? And to that point, the last couple of episodes felt like a weird spin to me. They felt mm. like they missed the mark a little bit. Um, it felt like they really wanted to reveal some things about the royal family here. I honestly don't know. And stopped short. And stopped short mm-hmm. and then spun it real quick to get away from that. So they their hands weren't dirty at the end of it. It was just like, well, you have to know all this backstory to understand that we're going to be married in the future. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to move forward from this. Um, and so it felt like um, they sort of revealed things that to me as a someone who watches the royal family news probably more closely than is necessary nothing really felt earth shattering and groundbreaking to me like this all felt like things that have already played out publicly um and it felt like they really were being super defensive and thin-skinned about some things that were happening um and the last two episodes really felt defensive in that way and really felt like um the, the biggest example I had is when they talked about Megan being this amazing... Basically, they described Megan. Harry, sitting next to Megan, described her basically as a fantastic PR opportunity for the royal family. Mm-hmm. So he didn't say like... And Megan has this amazing worldview. She's done these amazing things. He basically said, she's a woman of color. Why wouldn't they want her? They're facing colonialism um, challenges. Why wouldn't they want her? Why wouldn't they want to parade her out? That's what that felt like he was saying to me. And actually, I respect them more for not doing that, for not the royal family, for not taking her as this person that they can parade out and about. And I feel, I felt like those last couple of episodes tried to tie up the bow of romance, but really what it was doing was trying to quickly move away from some of these allegations that they've already shared. They shared a lot of this on Oprah. They sh- and they rehashed Oprah for a really long time. Um, so they've already shared a lot of this, but they didn't want to end with their hands dirty. So they moved away from it really quickly and made it about their romance again. But to me, there was some ego peeking through there that was like, but look how important we could have been to the family. And they just shut us away. And it just felt like it missed the mark to me. Hmm. The only thing I'll say in counter to that is that you're not allowed you to disagree. Have to? Oh, don't disagree necessarily. <laughs> I'm actually thinking like so. I went back and rewatched, and I only got through like the f- first because I I binged it so quickly that I was like, oh, I feel like I've missed something. Mm. Um, and I feel like I really need to rewatch the back half of five and six. Mm. Um, and uh, so I don't feel like I have a clear picture on that. But I actually had just. I do very clearly remember the part where he talks about how he doesn't understand why the family doesn't see her inclusion as an opportunity. Um, And the only thing I would say is it it is unfortunate that that wasn't better fused with earlier in the documentary when he talked a lot about her activism and how, and they talked a lot about how she was already involved in a lot of things before they had ever even met. She has always been passionate about women's rights and, and, and a a multitude of other things. And so, um, I think those being separated out may have made for like a little bit of an awkward listen. I also do think that like, you know, you don't always know the full context of these conversations as they're happening. And I do wonder if it's sort of like, um, sometimes even when you're trying to argue for something in your business, and that's what this is, you, if you can't get them to reason with the human side, you get them 
with the cost effectiveness sure. or an ROI. And I think that is sort of the argument he's making. I do think in the context of what you're talking about, when we're trying to make this romantical, um, that that might have come off a little jarring to the ears. I think I you're right. That. I think it was an interesting choice to separate it from everything It needed else. a little, it needed a softer cushion. It needed something around it. And, and also, I will say, I felt like this may be an episode too long. Like, I feel like there was some compression that could have happened. I feel like we were drawing it out a little bit. And I wonder if the director was sort of filling space at a point, hmm. sort of what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, but that made me so sad because it, it hurt to hear him talking about her like a commodity and talking about her like this, this thing that they should have seen as an opportunity. Um, and when you start talking like that about your partner, it makes me feel like there's a little PR spin happening there, even for yourself. Mm. Like, look how important we were and you just let us go. And mm. I just feel like that self-aggrandizing was done so nicely by other people throughout the documentary mm-hmm. that to do it yourself felt a little tacky. Mm. I'm not sure if that's on par with me not talking about them. Or me not being able to talk about them like they're not real people. But I think I would say that to them. That felt a little tacky. Con- uh, you don't have to say, like, our, we're not meeting today to say we loved everything. Yeah. Like, we don't do that with Design Women. No, we don't. So, uh, we got to be honest. Um, speaking of honesty, do we want to talk about the next theme that was throughout the docuseries? Which was racism. Yes. Has t- this, that was probably, so, hmm. I have never thought Megan was treated exactly the same way Kate was treated in the media. And I think there have been a lot of things that have come out over the years that have sort of underlined that. Mm. Um, So that part didn't surprise me, Mm -hmm. but I was really, really glad to hear that story told from Megan and Harry's perspective, Mm -hmm. Um, particularly Megan's. How it makes sense. Uh, Right. Um, So I think there's still people who are like, what is she talking about? Like, no one's racist against. They paraded out so many examples of really egregious things. A BBC reporter whose first image that they, like, quote unquote, share of them with their new baby is them walking a monkey. Like, come on, man. Mm -hmm. That, that was, that was rough. Yeah, I mean, I think the underlying racism across this entire situation is pretty irrefutable. And at one point when they're comparing the headlines yeah. for Kate Middleton and her. And I've how, heard that before, but yeah, astounding. Like, um, uh, <laughs> Kate lovingly cradles her bump. Megan won't stop talk, touching that lump on her front. Right. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then like... Uh, Megan breaks with tradition with unusable shoe. Kate Middleton wears most flexible shoe. <laughs> she starts new fashion trend. Um, and it's just like, and obviously that is really like. Kate wore flip-flops and cargo shorts. So I'm wearing flip-flops and cargo pants. And so like, and I know that sounds very surface level, but when they show you like 30 of no. them in a row and you're like, dang, what's happening? I mean, I just think um, at that point is when he, uh Harry says, if you, if you don't see what we see here, then you're, yeah, I cannot help you. And my, who among us hasn't had that conversation at the, (laughs) at the Thanksgiving table? (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, it strikes me all the time how, um, they always talk about the, the media always talk about Kate and how relatable she is. Relady Katie. You just like, she's like your best friend. Kate and William are doing things their own way. What do you make that face for? Relady Katie. 
No, I just, I don't think I've ever looked at Kate Middleton and been like, so relatable. No, like doing things their own way. Mm. So Kate's taking the Christmas card photo instead of using um, Vogue approved photographer, Mar, Mar, what's his name? Mar, Mar, Martin Tarantino or whatever his name is. But that like photographer that takes all their pictures. Oh, uh-huh. They're like, she's doing her own photos. And um, this year's Christmas card is them walking down um, a, an, a lane, probably on their country's land property, but that part's not mentioned. It's Kate breaks with tradition and lets the family wear plaid for family pictures or whatever. All of these ways <laughs> that Kate's breaking tradition and how relatable that is. But when Megan does it, then suddenly it's like Megan and Harry think they deserve special treatment. So they're not going to walk out on the stairs at the Lindo wing. Whereas I'm sure if Kate had decided not to walk out on those stairs, it would have been looked at a different way. Mm-hmm. It was astounding to me. And I think some of that's um, entrenched in racism for sure. They showed some really clear racist things. Nobody talked about classism though. Mm, and I, mm-hmm. I think the two can be related, but I think they're also very separate and distinct. Just lots of othering, right? Yeah. She's an actor. Yep. Well, they say actress, but like, uh, she, she's been divorced. Um, like, just, like just lots of, she's American. Oh my God. American. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Um, and so there was a lot of that, right? Yeah. Like just so many things where she just, she broke the mold, but there were a lot of people who weren't okay with it. Yeah. Uh, the, I also wanted to say that the headlines, um, w- I thought they did a really nice job of bringing those in to underscore the points that they were making. Like, I mean, it's just a good documentary work. It was you've got the done. voiceover going, you've got the headlines coming in. They know that we're, uh, we only handle like so many characters and things being thrown at. They even like highlighted it for us. Oh, good. Helpful. Like Thank you. <laughs> um, and, but you know, those headlines, they were riddled with coded and uncoded language alike. And yeah. the last thing I want to do is rehash all of them because ugh, it's pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, but saying things like straight out of Compton and from the wrong side of the tracks. And I mean, it, they couldn't have been less subtle. Yeah. You know, um, the social media posts, of course, were horrific. The gloves come off and then the crazies come out. And it is, it, but the media like stirs it up, right? In, in a weird way. Like, it's so strange, the slant of the British media against her. And to the point of, like, um, it's not even fair press. Like it, the the headlines are written in such an egregious way. You're just sort of like, what the heck? Who signed off on that? Yeah. And why are people reading it and sort of like nodding their heads? I also did feel like, and this is a, a tangent, but it's something that keeps bouncing around in my head, public perception versus media portrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, they showed them out a couple of times on their tours. And I think they addressed this a little bit where um, she felt like the whole world was against her and they all hated her. And then she went out and did her little walkabout and everybody was really kind to her and like, it's so wonderful to see you. And so I wonder... That was early on though. It, yeah, it was after the, um, I think the Austra- around the Australian tour maybe. Mm. Um, but, but what I wonder to that point though is how, where are people on this gradient? And, and I'll share a little bit about this later, but like are people really anti-Megan, really for Megan... Or in the middle? And how does that break down? Because I feel like there are a lot more people in the middle. 
I think that's right. Then you get credit for it. And I just wonder, why can't we talk about that a little bit more? Are you thinking about, are you thinking about that stat that they used where they did some sort of social media analysis? Yeah. Um, but I wasn't going there because I thought that would fit with your other theme better. <laughs> it does. It does. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back. <laughs> Shh, hang on. Um, I, so the other thing, like, is like taking a step back, the, the doc itself also argues a really fair point that it's pretty hard to disentangle the media's treatment of Megan from Britain's history of slavery and colonialism. Uh, that was my last point in this section is that the bit in the docuseries about colonialism, I thought was beautifully done. Mm -hmm. It was enough to feel like it was educating you. Like if you didn't know some of these things, that was super informative, but it was still entertaining. entertaining. Mm -hmm. It was very like, holy crap. And it was, it was given that very slick Netflix docuseries treatment where it was like a little bit like, yeah, it was really nicely done. And I feel like, um, we in the U.S., and I'm curious to know what it's like. I hope we have some British listeners who can tell us like what it's really like there and what their reaction to this whole thing is. Because we talk a lot about slavery and hearkening back to the point of our podcast, slavery in the southern U.S., and rightfully so, we hone in on that. We talk about it a lot. I don't feel like we often talk about British colonial. It is amazing to me. We have as much news about the royal family as we do, and we're not talking about the British past with colonialism and I, slavery. I I agree. I agree. It's it's like it's sort of hard to talk. Like I wasn't raised in um in Great Britain. I don't yeah. like I don't have that lens. But if we are since we said we were going to go with what we we're hearing in the documentary, we we're going to go with what's on public record. You have historians on here saying that like when you look at the way it's taught in school it's just like we're good yeah that we're done uh and we're moving on now we've got our own problems with that sure we're not so, casting not casting stones nope. at all and i think that's all going like i'm trying to <laughs> what's the balance here um but yeah i agree but i think that's probably playing into it right it's yeah. like because it sort of gets swept away like it does in places around the u.s um it, it doesn't get addressed and, but yeah, it does feel like that doesn't get discussed as much. But I also think the other thing is, is what do they say it is? It's um, Empire 2.0. Oh. Mm-hmm. And the other, the other, I don't, I don't know who, I don't know all the titles, titles, titles for all these individuals, but one of the uh, talking heads was like, hey, you know, I mean, um, it's, it's just better PR. Yeah. And at what point, I'm sure you have to wonder this, at like what point are we getting the truth and at what point are we getting the PR version? Um, I wonder that all the time. All the time, with everything. And it's such a, um, it's such a difficult, like wanting to, I, I'm intrigued by the royal family. I think they are fascinating. Fascinating because it's probably because it's not my country and I don't have a vested interest in any of this. So it's playing out like a soap opera to me. So I am intrigued by it. Um, but it is also this conflict of being like, but what do they really stand for? And what does it say about a country that they cast out the the person who could bring a fresh perspective and could, going back to Harry, I mean, she was a good business decision for them. And what does it say about their values that they didn't bring her into the fold sooner? I think some of it could be trust. And I... Um, to be fair, she tells Can't this trust an American. She tells this anecdote about Kate coming over for the first time, meeting Kate for the first time, and she sort of stops short of saying Kate was really cold. 
she says like, um, that's not how the Brits do it or something like that. Mm -hmm. To be fair, if Kate truly was meeting her for the first time, I think Kate has to have a heightened sense of like a heightened bar for who she trusts and who she doesn't trust. Mm. And it's great that Harry likes this gal, like wonderful. But if they'd only been dating a couple months, I don't, I don't know that I would be super, and I'm not a big hugger. So I know I'm like, Oh look, this is also why. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Like you and I never hug. So some of it, I wonder if it was trust. Like if Megan felt othered because they didn't know if they could trust her yet. And if there had been a little more trust, I'm, I don't know anything. Like you said, I don't know anything about behind closed doors. She presented a pretty clear case that she did the very best she could in the situation she was given. Um, But I do want to give a little bit of a fair shake to the Royals that, I mean, they're some of the most watched people in the world and they were fighting a lot of PR battles at the same time Megan was coming into the family. Mm -hmm. So some of it I think is trust. Yeah, I think that's fair. Any hoosie, racism, poor Megan. I feel terrible that she had to be the lightning rod for so much of this, but I do think that if even one person watches that bit about colonialism and it makes them rethink the way that that society, that our society, if it opens their eyes to, Harry used the the term unconscious bias a couple of times. I still believe a huge number of people don't know what that means. I read one article and I wish I hadn't, and it was definitely like the Daily Mirror or something. And literally every part of that was every part like capturing that because I was trying to find one of the historians names and I just googled like something that she had said mm-hmm. and um which was the you could have just rewound Selena you could have just rewound but no you had to google it because <laughs> that was the smarter way to do it but anyways like um everything was in quotation marks uh. and like and I'm like you like there is so much um built up around these conversations like if we could drop going back to the ego thing if we can drop the ego and just like try and like open yourself up to other perspectives you know um if i may you may this series also shines a line a light on the otherism well a few of them but sexism Mm. and i thought you know uh something that was really compelling for me was that the way that women in the royal family receive the harshest treatment by the media, mm-hmm. and this has been a long-standing tradition as well, and then in Meghan's case specifically, I mean, she's essentially blamed for Harry stepping back from his royal office, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. So, um, and that's completely unfair. And they even make they make a point to say he was like, ultimately, it was my decision, mm-hmm. you know. But my wife gets blamed for it every mm-hmm. time. So I just thought that was really, um, that really stood out to me as I was uh, watching. I'm going to kick this one off because it was mine. Um, it's all mine. It's mine. Uh, but it feels mean to make you speak. Start. So what did you think about my theme? Courage. I was, and I think we've sort of been subtly hinting at this along the way, but I was just blown away by the courage across every episode. I think it's easy enough to file them away or at least Harry sorry Harry as just privileged but I don't care how how much like um how much they grew up with not her but how much Harry grew up with how much um privilege he did have how how much access he had to things that you know we don't have it takes a certain level of bravery to put it out there like they did um, and to know that not everybody was going to be on their side 
to get vulnerable like they did and to be as real at least as they came across as being. Mm-hmm. I found Megan to be especially brave and I really admired, we've already talked about a little bit of some of these things, but I really admired the way she talked about her miscarriage and thoughts of suicide. Um, that is not an easy thing to do, not any time, not for anyone. Uh, and I, th- I think it's incredibly valuable because much like you were saying, like that colonialism, colonialism, ugh, that is going to reach someone and that is going to affect them. And this is too. Mm-hmm. I actually, I think this is much more likely to reach people and affect them because I think there are so many people out there who just need to hear that someone else, they're not, they're, there's not anything wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You're just like, you just need someone to relate to. And she's giving them that. And I think that is truly special. And I think it takes a real deep and profound courage that I don't think a lot of people have. Yeah. I think it also speaks so much to her character. I think they uh, talk, like I said, they had a whole episode that talked so much about Megan and growing up and the type of person she was, the type of value she carried, the way her mom raised her and what her mom instilled in her. And I say her mom because she said she was close with her dad, but it seemed like she spent a lot of time with her mom. Um, They interviewed her mom and her mom spoke about some of those things. Um, And I just was so... It's just amazing to me that Harry, um, he, he always seemed to me to be this like party boy surface level, very entitled, very privileged sort of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's amazing to me that that public perception I had of him, and he said this in the, in the docuseries, like landed this, this amazingly intelligent, mature, emotionally intelligent human being who's brave and willing to go out and be the, the unusual person and it's a very uncomfortable feeling for her but she's willing like I had to go through all this and now I may as well put it out there for the world to see and hear and learn from if they can um and I I just thought it spoke so much to her character she just Mm -hmm. seemed like a cool gal Mm -hmm. I think that's right media and technology the worst uh so my very first thought and I just is like it just just the whole time that I watch this is media, technology, the way we use it. It is just terrifying. Uh, pro- as promised, that one stat, mm-hmm. hold me accountable because I'm probably going to get this wrong. Oh, I don't know if I wrote it down. It was, ba- it was basically something like they wind up running some kind of analysis on, on the different uh, social media messages that are being posted. And I'm sure it's like in the millions or something. Mm-hmm. And 70% of the negative comments on social media were coming from 83 accounts. It's like such a small, vocal, influential minority we are being led around by the nose and we're just letting it happen but that's where i wonder though like where does public perception like rational human being perception intersect with what this extreme view is if honestly the very first thing i'm just going to say that reverberates in my head is most people do not care yeah this I is think not that's what it is. when I like, okay. So sometimes I'll just do temperature checks with some of my friends and like, I don't even know why I try to talk about this week, this weekend, but like I brought this documentary up and they're like, I don't know. I don't care. I haven't watched it. Yeah. Like, okay. I don't care. I never will. Yeah. Like, I don't care anything about the Royal family. I don't care about to talk about that. And I was like, all right. So you cool. won't be listening to this episode. <laughs> um, Glad we're about to talk about it for an hour. <laughs> 
So, but then we, I do truly believe that some people do are like you and like me and find it absolutely fascinating. Um, but I just, I agree. I think mo- it's like politics here in the U S um, like it's just, I think most people are right down the middle, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, uh, I would venture that people out, especially people outside of Britain, even though this is something that is covered by media around the world, I don't think they know every in and out. And I do think this will be new news for a lot of people because like, I just don't think people follow it that closely. Um, and especially like, even if you did like catch dribs and drabs, like seeing it all consolidated, it just puts it in like in a different mind, like in a different framing, I think. And I think it's possible that you could not even, re- the counter to my point about like what is public perception, I think it's possible you could not even process that you've developed this opinion about a person, um, but you've internalized these messages that keep popping up in your um, in your feed sure. about this person. You've internalized them. And so when someone asks you, what do you think about Megan? You're like, I don't really care. She kind of seems like a bitch though. You know, like it's that thing where you're sort of like, I've from okay. everything I've heard. Um, and one of the things they said that was so astounding about that the social media stat is her her sister, her half sister, that they go to all these great lengths to talk about. Was eighty one of the accounts? She was like most of the accounts. So it's even more astounding that one person that is, I don't know, maybe not totally altogether there, fair to a person is like leading the charge. Yeah, and it's just sort of crazy. And so even if it only partially affects public perception, even if it only sways the things this way, it certainly had an effect on Megan. And I think that what's interesting to me and in something I was trying to articulate earlier, and I'm not sure I did it. I wonder if they maybe paid a little too much attention to the media coverage. So in the crown, this most recent season, I think they take great pains to keep the queen unaware of public perception oh, of herself. Yeah. They go to the point of like removing newspapers. In the Again, 80s. the yeah. crown, fictionalized, blah, blah, blah. But I do wonder, how are William and Kate interacting with social media consumption, with news media consumption? I wouldn't look at all. I wouldn't look at it at all. And so that's what I wonder. I feel like Megan and Harry are a lot more plugged in. Yeah. Um, Isn't that what the comms offices are for? That seemed like the whole point is to run interference for them. You know, it's so funny when they said that, though. I was like, but are they? Right. (laughs) Well, I need a stronger layer. I think part of what was happening is you have this um, split you're either willing to let your life be controlled by these people or that's uncomfortable for you and you want to know what's going on. And I think Megan was so – like she lived her own life for so long. She couldn't bear being insulated in that way. They didn't talk about this in the documentary. This is total conjecture. But I wonder if her consumption of media is actually fed a little bit by coming from the U.S. where – we're just like normal people. We're all plugged in. I think the royal family is a lot more insulated from that. And so I think that actually that might have contributed a little bit if she wasn't able to fully unplug and just not look at it. Um, I think that contributed probably to some of this feeling of like, everybody hates me. No, it's 81 accounts, 80 of which are driven by your half sister who really does hate you for reasons that you can't control because she's toxic and that's what family does to you. Um, and I just <laughs> have yourself a <laughs> little Christmas. I think I just got uninvited from Christmas. Um, but yeah, I think like, 
all that context matters. And I feel like I just watched them those last couple of episodes and, and they're in a different situation now, but they were sitting there the day, um, maybe the day after the Oprah documentary aired, they watched the whole thing together in a screening room is what it looked like. Then they were sitting there by their phones waiting for this feedback to come in. They didn't have someone filtering the feedback to them. They didn't have someone streamlining it into the top, I don't know, six themes. They were reading it for themselves, which feels like a very unhealthy dynamic. Do you think they might need us to help them? I would be happy to be that filter for you. I would be happy to read the garbage and filter through to things that make you feel like a human. Maybe not great about yourself, but like a human. Because so much of it was dehumanizing. Yeah. And that's a really terrible... I'm not arguing that their reaction to it was bad. I'm just saying, eh, I don't know. Deactivate your Facebook account and see what happens to your life. Yeah. I was going to say... So another big thing, like we've already talked about it to some extent, but this, um, again, it's what the guy called, we pay you pose. Yeah. And this is an unwritten set of like agreement. But then there is also this idea of... Um, Whatever these royal press are called. The Rhoda. The Rhoda. I learned about that for the first time through this. Yes. Um, I was definitely doing some Googling, wrote it down. That didn't help. Um, but uh, so I, I, you know, I, I'm conflicted because part of me is like, yeah, man, if you're getting public dollars, I can see like wanting. It's like some, the White House press corps. Yeah. I want see having some insight into how those funds are getting. You better be out there cutting the ribbons and doing whatever it is that we're paying you to do. I right. get that, but it's gone too far. I didn't understand. That went over my head. Like, well, and where does it, you know, where where does it... Uh, Benefit anyone? <laughs> that too. Where are these dividing lines between the people who are showing up to the ribbon cutting and the people who are going all the way to Canada to follow you in a boat to your private right. island? I mean, these are two... I, I don't know they're very different things, but these are two different actions and these are two different buckets and one is acceptable and one is not chasing someone around ski slopes after your given photo time is not appropriate right. you know princess diana should not had to have gone over there and begged them to stop photoing the children photoing you, photographing <laughs> you know there are um celebrities in the u.s that have had to fight this like currently sure. um i'm trying to remember if it was um the lady from Frozen. Oh, Kristen, Kristen Bell. Bell and Dak Shepard? Exactly. Yeah. They've had to fight this a lot. Like it's soccer games, literally walking over to paparazzi yep. and being like, stop. But there are legitimate media outlets. Um, and, and I count people as a legitimate media outlet because they don't tend to run tabloid oh, type the... stuff. Sorry, people.com, people the magazine. Yeah. They don't tend to run um, tabloid type stuff, although they certainly have in the past. I think they're trying to turn a new leaf. Um, BuzzFeed is another one that literally says we don't run paparazzi photos or we don't run photos from secondhand sources or whatever. So I think this is sort of a cultural shift that's happening and maybe we're a little further along in the US. But this agreement with the press in the UK, like it goes way over my head. I don't under who is it helping except the media and Prince Charles or King Charles now. It seemed like Harry was saying basically like that thing that played out in the crown where um he got jealous because Diana had so much coverage. It doesn't seem like maybe it's totally fiction then. Yeah. If she's saying something bad happens to the family and another principal, and there are only four principals, plant a story about them. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's, uh, you know, also in The Crown in this last season, there was that whole plot point around her yacht yeah. being like 
decommissioned or whatever. Yeah. And maybe there is something to this idea of like, if we do all these things, then they'll be easier with us with the purse strings. You know, I, I don't know, but I'm sure I, do, that's some of it. I don't think, I, I mean, my understanding is that actually King Charles, it feels so weird. So weird. Um, it was like one of the first to really pull back from using public funding. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think that is well, that's a well-documented thing. I think that's right. Someone fact check me. Um, I think that's right. But I mean, so I think that has been sort of an evolutionary and a progressive thing that's been happening. But I, regardless, babies don't choose who they're born to. So parents don't want them passed around like a fancy handbag. I think that's okay. If you don't want to look, I know I don't have kids, okay? But if somebody asked me to give birth and then walk out on some front steps when I'm just like needing like, I don't know, some water and a taco or something, and by water I mean a margarita, I am going to tell them to kiss my ass. I cannot imagine. That literally floors me. No, you don't have right to my baby. And no, you don't have right to, to me 15 minutes after I gave birth. Sorry. Depends on how much they're going to pay me. No. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> the fact, the no. point, part of the fact of the matter, that's half joke, but part of it is like somebody else is making millions and millions of dollars off of this. And then they have to go and ask for money to buy something to wear to a red carpet. I don't, I don't understand fully how the finances of the royal family work, but it's not like somebody's handing them a million dollar check because they gave them a picture of their child, which is great because that means they're not selling their kid out. But somebody else is making money off that. Right. That's the part I can't quite, I cannot quite grasp. I don't understand how the royal rota is made up of these outlets that are tabloids Instead of, like in the U.S., the press corps is the New York Times, AP. the Washington Post, right. AP. Legitimate like these outlets. Legitimate outlets that don't hire <sighs> Guess paparazzi. Guess we won't be partnering with the mirror anytime can be, After what Harry told me about them, I could be okay with that. Um, well, so if you ask me, my not-so-hot take, okay, is um, that the British press should have been the ones to pay for their security. I think you're right. Because they That's made millions point. off of them. That's a good point. There's no way that they didn't make like money hand over fist over um, Meghan and Harry. There's no way. There's just too much out there. I mean, so like, and I will say on the flip side of that, I think that was probably one of the biggest surprises for me out of the whole documentary. That's not something that I knew. Maybe that was public knowledge, and that probably was in that Oprah interview, but I did not watch that Oprah interview. I What's just that? The fact that they took away their security. Oh, yeah. That was I understand news. that there, there's things, this is why I said at the top, like, hey, there's things we don't understand. We're not inside the rooms. It like we're not we don't have the arrogance to say one way or another, but it did surprise me. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be that they were like, "Sorry, you're not part of the, like this deal anymore. Yeah. You're out." But I can't imagine not protecting my family again, knowing what they have been through. This is where I get confused about how finances work for the royal yeah. family because I do understand that they have some element of finance of their own. So the fact that Charles didn't say, that's my son and that's my grandchild. I'm going to protect them. And just pay well what your is it going to cost? Yeah. What is it going to cost? Because I get him a security guard. I think, so like, I, I think I learned this like uh, doing like research just outside of watching the crown too. But um, uh, Queen Elizabeth actually brought in a ton of money with the horse stuff. Mm. 
um, and all the horse breeding mm -hmm. and the racing and everything else that she was involved in, like in that world, which I don't understand at all. Um, and so that's not like there wasn't money right. to be put out there for them. They could sell a tiara. I know they own some of the, some of that jewelry is the Royal family's jewelry. They could sell some of that yeah. and get Harry some security. And I think there was some, there, there has to be, and this is something Kyle's taught me. There are three sides to every story. My side, your side, and the truth. There mm -hmm. is some middle ground. Right. I There's agree. something happening there that we're not privy to. And I don't want to co like completely villainize the royal family based on the things they're saying. Because I don't understand the pressure they're up against. Yeah. I don't, don't understand know. the cultural context. I can tell you that I told a British neighbor, congratulations on your new royal baby after an expat, after um, Kate delivered the third one. And third he said... <laughs> She delivered her third child. Well, it's airs fair and, oh, you're over there. <laughs> After she was, um, what do they say? After she was relieved of her third child. Mm. Um, but I said, congratulations. He's like, no, don't congratulate me on them. And just went off on this tangent about how much he hates the royal family. So I don't understand the cultural context. There is probably some element of PR. Like, it's just not going to look good for me to pay for security for my child, who in the press looks like he's having a tantrum and escaping our country. Mm -hmm. But I think I'd find a way on the side to get some, I'd pull some strings, yeah. you know, like I'd give a call to somebody to figure something out. I don't know. Yeah. Not royal. I got one more category here. Okay. Are you ready for this? Maybe. Are you ready? <laughs> Progress versus tradition. So I'll kick this one off too. Megan, whether you're a fan or not, was a symbol of progress for the Commonwealth. And at least that's what they posit here. And I'm inclined to agree. Uh, we've already talked about this to some extent. Um, it makes me feel, and I think this couples well with something earlier that you were saying as well, which is like, I think about the little kids that we saw and adults who seem genuinely excited for someone that they could identify with a little bit to enter such a rarefied air, if you will, and then ultimately had to walk away because it was killing her, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think similar to what you're saying, like, what does this say? What, like, what, what did that say about like what's going on in Britain? And what does this say about what this means for what ultimately right now feels like limited progress? I mean, I think they are taking the reins. I think that Harry knows how to work the media too, just yeah. like his mom did. Yeah. Um, in a way that other people who are part of the royal family don't seem to know how to work as well. But it just it makes me wonder like what what does this really mean if she truly was a symbol of progress? If it stalled out like that. And I'm not saying there's an answer. That's just the rhetorical thing that keeps like reverberating through my head as I'm watching this. Like, so where are we at now? What does this mean? Um, Megan coming into that very traditional world really struck some kind of chord with me. Her having the, you know, the curtsying, the mm. walkabouts, like the pomp, the circumstance, these really weird rules that we've heard about. That are, I mean, they're weird to us. It's, I guess, well, Harry said a bunch there. of them are made up. He's like, the press even invent rules just to put her on the wrong side of things. So there are all kinds of like pantyhose rules That's right. and purse rules. And yeah. I wonder how much of that is real. You know what that made me think? Why didn't anybody help her? 
And how real was yeah, that? Yeah, she piece said of there's things? no class. I'm like, I I got to tell you, if I'm a royal family, where's the class? The longest serving monarch, and I'm about to send a woman, an American, out to represent me, I'm giving her some classes on etiquette and royal protocol. This is why that when it, my like um cynical skeptical radar was going off and I was like I don't know about that. Well, see, to me, it told me what they thought wanted of her, her to fail, or at least what this. I maybe, but they sent them on an official engagement to Australia. So I'm pretty sure with Princess Diana, um, that it's also like it's out there in the like the tale of Diana. Um, she goes and stays with. She was already related. Like she was already related to, like her, she was part Duke of aristocracy. Yeah, she's in that world, mm-hmm. and I think her grandmother or like great aunt, one of the something like that, um, but someone who was related to her, took her under the, her wing and taught her the things that she would need to know. Now, Diana was nineteen. Meghan Markle's thirty-five. Um, I part of that world, not part of that world. There are obviously some some differences here, but there is ways for people to have passed along that information. She didn't have to Google it, and it does to me feel like the lack of that happening speaks volumes. I just don't know. Like, how did she know what sort of things she was supposed to wear on the red carpet? How did she know? Like, you're not supposed to conflict wardrobe color wise with another principal like she sort of um shared some of these inner circle secrets and then said nobody helped her i don't think those are inner circle secrets i think i've read that before in a magazine my all of the things that she said so then she should have known that she was going to need to curtsy she should have known that um I think I know what that, the rules of the but I have were. to tell you, I don't know I would remember that day because I would have been, I'm just thinking like, I was so nervous when I met Casey's parents um, and they, you know, they're not royals and we're right here in Gwinnett County, not having to go to a castle. I mean, I was just a bundle of nerves. And I think if I'm going to meet the queen of England, there's a possibility that even if I read at some point, you curse, because I know this and there's a certain thing you like, don't touch her. Like you wait on a whistle and a twirl about or something like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's these things and I've heard about them. I know about them that day. I ain't remembering that. It's just so crazy to me that Harry didn't pull her to the side. Like I think he did tell her five minutes before they got out of the car. He said, you know how to curtsy, right? You know what I think though? I think they didn't give him more than a five minutes heads up. Maybe. And also, ma'am. Well, I think, and so that's, that was the part where I was just like, after it was clear they were engaged, after it was clear she was going to be joining this family, I am so... I can see how it feels like a disconnect. Kate never called her and said like, hey, should we compare wardrobes or, and that, it hurts me to my core to think that Kate's not at least gracious enough to have reached out and said that. And so that was probably, right. But that was probably the thing that shook me the most about all this is that the Fab Four never truly was fabulous. They were truly never really all that close. And I want to believe that Kate, if she's going to be 
possibly queen consort one day. I want to believe that she had the good manners to reach out and say, Megan, I know you're American and this all seems so weird to you. You want to come over and have tea and I can walk you through some of the finer points that I learned through my entire childhood of growing up in the upper class of England? Oh my gosh. Bothered me so much. Yeah, that's fair. Did you have, I had one more thing. Did you have anything in this area? No. My only other thing is like, actually the way I started this out is like just six big reactions I had. This is another one where I was like, where does this fit? And mine is the needle drop for she's like a rainbow. So Megan, like Megan goes at great length again, talking about this thing. Like she just decided to wear muted colors, Mm -hmm. like a lot of beiges, a lot of whites, khaki, like all these things. And still looked fabulous. Oh, well, she's gorgeous. (laughs) So, um, like you know, and I actually, I think she has amazing style. Um, but you know, after they take that step back and they walk away from those roles, she comes in and she's finally wearing color and, or like it's that last week and they're doing serving in those last events. And I just thought that whole thing was beautiful. Also with any needle drop of she's like a rainbow, you have me. Um, I just think that's a great song, but The thing that was also circling for me when I was watching that is just this reminder that, like, if anyone or anything insists that you hide your light or that you mute your color or be someone that you're not, you should probably run like hell. But nobody required her to. She said that was a choice she made so that she could blend in. (laughs) So I think it's a beautiful sentiment, but that was a choice she made. I, I think, but you can't wear the same color as other people who are higher than you in the royal family. Is that a real rule? I think it is a real rule. Not just made up by the <laughs> She said a couple of times she wore muted colors because she wanted to fade into the background. I think that's she right, She didn't too. want to be seen. I think it, it was twofold, right? Yeah. It was both. She was trying not to clash with the people who... Like she was already trying not to step on their toes and wound up stepping on their toes anyway. Because the was whole thing happen. is like you're not supposed to overshadow the queen. You're not sure. supposed to overshadow Kate Middleton. Is te- in this t- ridiculousness is ahead of her. She's above it's her. Not ridiculousness if you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I th- I think she was just trying to this what we were talking about in the beginning. She's trying to do her best. Um, and um, you know. So if, whether they're asking you or if you feel like you need to, you may be in the wrong situation. And then you also should run like hell. And they're going to admit my statement. There's a, um, an influencer online called, uh, her name is Elizabeth Holmes. She's a former Wall Street Journal reporter. And now she's um, almost exclusively a royal family watcher. And one of the <laughs> things she does is dissect their fashion mm. and um, how intentional every single fashion choice. And it's not specific to the royal family. This is like celebrities do this. Um, the president's wife does this. The president even does this with like the color of their ties. Sure. Um, but how influential fashion really is and how easy it is to say it's all surface level. It's just clothes. Oh my God. They don't need to go meet with another designer. It's all very strategic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like when you talk about clothes and colors and strategy behind it, you have to mention Elizabeth Holmes in this world because Mm -hmm. she dissects it so carefully and Mm -hmm. says like, chose this color for earth shot for this reason and notice that she's not clashing with the red carpet or the green carpet or she is. And was that intentional? It's just sort of amazing. And I think Megan is very attuned to that. It's hard for me to imagine that anyone is like, I will go with this lime green on purpose. Right. That's all. <laughs> I don't know. Kate wore, I think Kate wore green to Earthshot recently and she looked incredible. Like, very shocking. 
in a good way. I was floored. But anytime Megan wears bright colors, she, she's just meant to wear bright colors. She looks yeah. beautiful in them. That farewell tour, the photos are stunning. Yeah. And it's all very All of them are. All of them, yeah. It's just a good reminder you got to bring your photographer with you on all your <laughs> trips. I was reading something and it was like, uh, eight good tips for your next travel. It's like, bring a photographer on oh, Gil's come trip. On. And I was like, who? Come who, on. who is this for? Oh, jeez. This is kind of silly. Uh, so... Do we want to go to some questions? Because I think we had a couple of questions. I think we do. My first one is, would you still live one day as a royal just to see what it's like? I don't know. I don't... Just one day. One day. Seems silly not to, right? If it's just one... Does it have... Is it like Groundhog Day where I pop in and I pop out no... Um, implications you, you whatsoever. Never come back to your regular life. No, no, no. I was oh. gonna say come in and come out, and no one knows it ever happened. Or do I have a lasting legacy? Because I, I don't need a lasting legacy as a temporary royal. Now I would embarrass let's myself. Let's unpack. That let's unpack that. That you're going to make a lasting <laughs> a legacy in a in bad way. Mm, I would okay. walk down the steps. Well, we can unpack that too. <laughs> I'd walk down the steps of Buckingham Palace with my skirt tucked into my pants. You'd have hose. a Julia. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or um, I'd I'd pick up the wrong spoon at lunch in front of the, um, I don't know, somebody, the, the president of the United States. I'd do something stupid and they'd be like, can you believe she did that? So is that going to be in the press forever? Or is this just like a, I can really truly taste test and move on? No taste repercussions. Test, yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Same. I Why would you not? Know. I don't know. But I'd probably like, do you get to pick something? Because then I want to go to Christmas. I also have to say, I don't want to be married into the royal family in that circumstance. That's oh, where, it, that's the rub. Yeah. I think those are the, you talked about the women earlier who are treated so badly. It's the women who marry in, the others. I don't know what they're supposed to do, just marry their cousins. But like when you marry in, that's when you're held to this extra standard. If I could be a cousin, if I could be part of the family, cool. I'll try that. Well, and I think it's fair to mention that like, there was art, like, if we're going to talk about how some people were like, hey, y'all cool your heels. We all did our time. Yeah. Even though, like, it's not the same. Yeah. Okay. But, like, Kate, she had to get special, or, like, Will William had to get special permission because what we were really talking about was someone who wasn't, like, yes, her parents were rich, but she wasn't a part of, uh, of that upper echelon. Right. Um, and so, like, so that was breaking ground even... 12, 13 years ago, or however long it's been now, 11. Well, they were engaged for a while. So, although when you're royal and you have lots of help, those weddings go much faster. I feel like. <laughs> um, so, all right, nailed it. Guys, we're willing to step in for the day. Any, Just, one whenever day. you want. Whenever yeah. you want. And Eugenie. I'd probably run like hell. Eugenie also seemed like really cool. That scene mm -hmm. where he and her were getting together for the Super Bowl was super heartwarming because it reminded me that even in a toxic family situation, there may still be like a family member that is fun to be around. And he said specifically he missed the Christmases with his family. The, the weird, what did he say? The weird gatherings where we all get together or whatever. Mm -hmm. He said he missed that. So I think Christmas is a good call. And I want to be a family member when it happens. Yeah, she said she had a great time. Like she was like, this is wonderful. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you're starting with the high bar. With yeah. a holiday. Yeah. Although... In my family, we know how to take it down like 10 notches. I also, We're not afraid. <laughs> I also want to say, um, 
tangent to your original question, mm-hmm. but you said um, this sentiment that, you know, our wives had to go through it. Why shouldn't yours? Uh, one, it's just flawed thinking from the beginning, I think. But also I could sort of see, like, if you just know this is how the press treats new people, just bear with it. The problem I had with that was more when it became racist and when it became overtly racist and they didn't defend her. That's the part where I was so miffed. I could see an old family who's been through this a billion times say like, take your lumps, just take your lumps. It's going to suck for a little while. I would love to imagine that Kate called Megan, which clearly she did not because she didn't even tell her any of these things. But I would love to imagine Kate calls and says like, this is really going to suck. Um, and you're really going to be miserable for a couple of years. And I just want you to know, pick up the phone and call me anytime it gets too bad and we'll go take a trip somewhere. Why couldn't she do that? I don't know. Why did they, why did they have to say that hat look like a poop emoji? That was a beautiful (laughs) hat. Was it kind of right? Yeah. I still don't agree. But that just shows the hatefulness of the internet. I still don't agree. I still think it was a nice hat. It's a nice, it's beautiful. I don't see the poop emoji at all. And I refuse to now. Bunch of jerks. Well, my question for you was, did this change your perception of Harry and Meghan? I think it made me much more sympathetic to their circumstances. So earlier when I said something like, I think it's easy enough to follow the wind or privileged. Yeah. That's me. That's my typical thinking. Um, And then just kind of move on. But uh, they really are like one of the other people said in this, um, at some point in the series, like they really are in this gilded cage. They're harassed. They're chased. They're obsessed over. It's scary. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, and I think because this isn't like, uh, this isn't necessarily like some kind of love fest. I think we're in love with this documentary, maybe. maybe. I think we really enjoyed it. But like, um, it's clearly arguing their side and for them. There's no real objectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, uh, we don't hear or get any of the experiences of the other family members, either side. Really, and I don't think, we, well, a little bit of Meg, a little bit, yeah. um, but not the most controversial sides, only right. the people who are on, her, on side. her side. And so while I do feel bad for them, I, we don't know. Right. We only really kind of know this one part and we're never going to know unless something really happens. We'll never know what William thinks. Yeah. We'll never know what Kate thinks. They're, they're trained to not do that. Mm-hmm. And they're okay with the status quo. Um, in my mind, yeah. <laughs> conjecture. Uh, but I mean, I, and also, like, I really want to know what happened with her dad because that's kind of like a drop line. It's just like, like, He's just gone. Oh. Like where he is now, you mean? Like, we don't, like, I think I would still be trying to reach my dad now, but like, or at least figure out what happened, especially if I thought a stranger had a hold of his phone. Oh, oh, oh. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And I was like, but is he kidnapped? Like, I mean, and I know that's not what's going on, but like, is this like some kind of weird stepmom situation? I mean, is it literally like a reporter sitting there with him? Like that would drive me insane. I think you're right that it was a dropped line. I think there's been some conclusions since then. I think that, um, at the very least she's in touch with her niece again, who I believe may not be in direct contact with Samantha Markle, her, um, Megan's half sister, but knows her whereabouts and knows what's going on. So I'm assuming there's some communication with her dad. I, I can identify with, um, dropping all communication after it's been toxic for so long. So, um, it would not, I I wouldn't lose sleep over that if I were her after what he did to her. It's just so, and I think again, to your point about how there's like, you feel some things missing. Yeah. If it was 
that great and then like right. but it was that sudden, mm-hmm. then I don't think it would have happened. Because I totally understand. Sometimes you got to love from a distance. Yeah. And you've got to put up some boundaries and say, I love you. And I'm so glad that there's a couple of states in between us. Mm-hmm. And I could not respect that more. But there was something about this in particular that felt like we were only getting so much. And that's okay. That's okay. It's her story. But also, like, you created a series. Right. So. Um, and then when it comes to his family, I think two things can be true. I think they can truly feel like, hey, we all went through this. Get over yourself, like we were just talking about. But I also think that what Megan experienced was more severe mm-hmm. because she was so outside of what what's quote-unquote expected. And we've already talked about that at great length. So that's kind of my thought. Like, I do feel a lot of sympathy, empathy for them, depending on what the situation is. I can't have empathy for all of those things because I haven't been through all of those things. Um, but I think they did a, a really nice job with that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm interested to see what they do in the future. Yeah. I think for me going into this, just to be totally honest in, in the words of Miss Taylor Swift, the queen of all things, uh, it isn't love. It isn't hate. It's just indifference. That's how I felt about Meghan and Harry. I didn't love them. I didn't hate them. We got together to watch the royal wedding in 2018, mostly just because it was another royal wedding. It seemed it's like fun. A, it's fun. It's just something to do. Not necessarily. I had a very strong tie to the William and Kate marriage. I don't. The best that I can use to describe that, and I've done a lot of self-processing because I want to make sure to Harry's point, like my own personal bias isn't isn't shading that in some way. I just really think it's because my entire perception of Harry has been that he doesn't want to be part of this machine from the beginning. Mm. Like I can remember those flashes of him fighting with the photographers that they were showing. I remember that event happening. I remember him fighting with them and that was huge news. I remember the Nazi uniform at a Halloween party. And so my perception of him has always just been like entitled and doesn't want to be part of this. So he wants his cake and he wants to eat it too. Like he wants to be rich and wants to live in high society, but he doesn't want to be royal. That's been my perception of him for a long, long time. Mm. Um, fair or unfair, that's just been what I thought of him. Megan, yeah, she's she's party to that. Like I just see them together. And so I'm like, I'm sure she's fine. I just don't have a strong feeling. I don't hate him. He just doesn't want to be here. So I don't want to like engage in that. You know, I don't want to watch him obsessively because he's not party to it like will and kate seem to be at least game for this this situation they're in um at least they have a vested interest in it harry's always seemed so aloof to it all um so i watched the wedding is fine i didn't really care that much about megan um and then when they started parting from the royal family i was just darn curious I just wanted to know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely portrayed that that it was that situation of wanting their cake and wanting to eat it too. So it was fascinating to me to see their side of it. Again, no objectivity. We only saw their side of it, but it sort of tempered what we had already seen. You know, but if they are serious, if and I mean, they're well, they've got the leaked emails and stuff to prove if they were willing to do it for free and still do the engagements and all they wanted was to get the media out of their lives super respect that yeah and so that's that's what i'm coming around to this is my long-winded way of saying it, it has changed my perspective on them a lot mm-hmm. i still think there were some flaws in this i still think some of this is ego driven i think some of this is like a little bit a little bit of a cash grab because they need the money now um and i feel like i, I have a little bit of a reaction to um putting your family business out there for a family that is 
notable for not putting their family business out there. Like there's a, an element of toxicity to that. So it feels like you're fighting toxic with toxic in a way. Hmm. It's not my total reaction to all of it. I feel like some of it was definitely justified and warranted, but some of it felt a little blah, icky somehow. Um, but I'm glad they did it because I feel like they needed to get it off their chests. I feel like they needed a chance to tell everybody, like she said, maybe in the very beginning, we're doing this in our words and it feels better for us to do it than someone else to do it. And I, I respected right. that. So I think it changed my mind about them a lot. Um, I think I can definitely, I definitely feel sorry for them in a lot of places. I feel sorry for the Royal family because they can't share where they are in all of this. It's not ever going to be clear Can what their role has been. Can they not just extract themselves though? Like, what do you mean? You could, you could just like not what be royal. Mean? Oh, Harry and Meghan? All of them. I think it works for some of them. I, I, this I definitely that's think they're, or, I think some of them genuinely believe that they're ordained by God to be in this position. And I don't think you just extract yourself from that. I don't think I have for a moment thought that like anyone born in the last 60 years would think that they were ordained by God based on when they were born and who they were born to. That blows my mind. I think that's sort of their whole thing. That the reason they're mind. royal is because the reason she, I guess now King Charles is head of the Anglican church is because they're ordained. They're chosen by God. So I think some people genuinely believe that. I think some people are like me. I was going to say, I think some people in the royal family are sort of like, yeah, sure, that seems fine. That's, that, that sounds great. That sounds I'll take that. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes, ordained by God. Absolutely. And then I think like people like Harry and Meghan see it as not really sure where my role is in all this because I'm the spare. That's going to be the title, I think, of his upcoming memoir. So I'm going to use that word because I think he's he's owning that word himself. But I'm the spare. So I understand where I fit in all this. I always can thought I just it was go, the ideal place to be. Can I? Right, so And I think he does too. And I think that's why he's willing to do it for free. He's like, you mean I can go chase down all my favorite causes and I can make a difference in the world? I think he's done a lot of work on himself. And I think he's mm -hmm. really, really tried to be a good person. And I think he wants to go do that. Go do that in the world. And so I think, but he needs the royal piece of it to be able to do those things. The cachet. Exactly. Yeah. It's challenging. It's, it's a real royals. They're just like us. Am I right? <laughs> I've never felt more you do eye to eye. <laughs> Except for, the, again, I'll say it, the family thing. I get that. Screwed up family. Got it. And it just keeps happening. Feel it. Just no money, though. No money attached to it. Um, just, just not screwed. yet anyway, just totally screwed. And with that, <laughs> <laughs> this is really fun. I'm yeah. glad we finally talked about it. I still, I feel like I have, I'm bubbling over it out. with thoughts. It's, it is really, I told Kyle, I said, I, I got to get together with Selena Tuesday night. And he was like, really? You guys, he's like, you guys don't want to do that. Like next week when you're on vacation. And I was like, no, I need to get some of this out. Like I need to stop talking to you about it. Cause he, to, to be fair, he engages. He really, God bless him. He engages with me, but I can tell it's not his thing. Yeah. So I just needed to get it out. It yeah. might just be you and me just listening back to this. What do we think? <laughs> so thank you everyone for listening for real, for real. The next time probably that we get together is going to be designing women season four, episode one. Right. Unless something else comes out. I mean, we, they do have a new documentary dropping on new year's day, but it's unclear what that's about. Who does? Megan and Harry. Another one? Not. It's not clear. It's about them. Oh, oh, oh. oh. It's uh, the it's title just... is "Live to Lead" or something, and it's inspired by a quote by Nelson Mandela. It seems like it's unclear what role they play in it, although it seems they appear in it. Oh, 
So, All right. I don't know. Anyway, so it's probably going to be season four, episode one, um, when we come back next. So in the meantime, we'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Our email address is sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. And I'm going to put a little plug there that if there is by chance anyone who's British and listening or has very strong opinions about all of this that's listening, like drop us an email. I want to know what other people are thinking. I don't know how we'll handle it on the show, if we'll come back to it or whatever, but as long as it's not racist, as long as it's respectful, I want to hear it because I want to know what other people's perceptions were, um, specifically because it was my question, like if it changed people's perception of Meghan and Harry, but like I also just want to sort of know, pulse check, where are we on this whole thing? Mm -hmm. Uh, So our website is SweetTeaTV.com. There are also several ways to support the show. You can tell your family and friends about us. You can rate or review the podcast wherever you listen. And then there are some other additional ways on the website um, from the Support Us page that you can support us. Uh, In fact, we have a Patreon account where we post um, exclusive content or uh, sometimes we'll do extended episodes. If we cut a bunch from the main episode, we'll do an extended episode. So all good stuff we're cutting, by the way. The best stuff. Yeah. We're cutting it because it's good to save it for our Patreon fans. That's right. Uh, and so, in fact, Miss Selena, since the last time we recorded, we welcomed a brand new Patreon to our circle. Yay! Candace, we're so happy to have you join us. Thank you for your support. And, and, Mm-mm. I, I, I didn't write a song, uh, but I'm going to sing a song. <laughs> okay is it gonna be what is it like color of the rainbow or whatever you said <laughs> i think that would be very difficult although you you deserve it is it the name game candace candace Pobanet. oh <laughs> nikki see we didn't we were spontaneous on something so <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> candace candace Pobanet. <laughs> oh Candace, Candace, Bobandis, Banana, Fana, Bobandis, Fifa, Momandis, Candace. Candace. I was drinking water. Sorry. <laughs> she was over there just drinking. <laughs> On a personal note, I've had the pleasure of messaging with Candace several times. You are always so kind and thoughtful. Please continue to reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. And I do screenshot and send to Nikki. Aww. So we try and share when we hear. We uh, manage different things and look at different things. So we try to keep each other in, in the loop. <laughs> and we appreciate you. Thank you, Candace. We're glad to have you here. So we'll see everybody in a few weeks for the start of season four. You know what that means. What does it mean, Selena? It means we're not doing extra sugar, and we'll see you around the bin. Bye.